3: Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Firstly, briefly, what we actually know about the breaking news, such as it is the Everybody is Reporting report that special counsel Jack Smith has subpoenaed Mike Pence. For documents and testimony. Here is what we know. It's about January 6th. Everything else you have heard is about filling time on cable. This is about January 6th. Only two bits of speculation or context are either relevant or true. Obviously, the negotiations for a voluntary interview of Pence have collapsed. And secondly, Mike Pence is remembered almost exclusively when he is remembered at all for not enacting Trump's plan to throw out the legitimate slates of presidential electors in favor of fake ones, thus overthrowing the election and the government. And while this is something he refused to do for Trump, it is imperative to remember that it is basically the only thing he refused to do for Trump, and all evidence then and now confirms he only refused to do it for Trump because he was not convinced he and Trump could get away with it. He is the farthest thing from a hero. Meanwhile, today, right now, Chairman Jim Jordan knows better than anybody else in the world that the first rule of holding a political sham show on the alleged weaponization of the federal government is to make sure that whatever you claim the weapon is, you do not point it at yourself. His star witness... Former FBI agent Thomas Baker, the insider who could tell a breathless America about how the Bureau had been locked, loaded, and aimed at conservatives, he turned out to have left the FBI in a previous century. Congressman Dan Goldman, a former impeachment prosecutor, neatly folded Agent Baker, FBI, class of 1966, fit him into a, an 8 by 10 envelope, licked the seal, and mailed him home
4: to mommy. You never worked in conjunction with the Department of Homeland Security when you worked for the FBI, right? I was working as a consultant during when most of those years. When you worked for the FBI, when you were paid by the FBI as a, uh, as a special agent, did you work with homeland security no it didn't exist okay Uh, and you never investigated foreign interference in our elections did you no i personally did not and you have no experience investigating russia's efforts to interfere in our elections through cyber attacks and social media do you other than what i've studied and researched okay and in 1999 when you left did smartphones exist of a sort (laughs) really yes what well, we had, we had phones. We had phones. Smartphones. you we know had, what a smartphone um, is? Okay. Well, Did I, you ever do any search warrants for emails? Search warrants for emails. emails? No, I did not. We had
3: phones, sonny. You picked it up and you asked Gertie at Central to get your Plaza 886 so you could talk to President McKinley his own self. In a way, it is too bad that the record-breaking 36 hours of self-humiliation by the Republicans that I mentioned yesterday was extended to 48 hours at that amazing weaponization subcommittee hearing that was so bad, so bad, that Fox News did not even carry any of it live. It is too bad because there are new developments now in the Charlie McGonagall case. The man at the heart of the FBI New York office, which actually did weaponize against Hillary Clinton in 2016 and actually did throw the election to Trump or at least towards him and who is now under arrest for going from investigating a Trump-linked Russian oligarch to working for that Trump-linked Russian oligarch. And any weaponization subcommittee should be investigating McGonagall and the FBI New York office. Those new details in a moment. But first, I want you to savor what happened to Chairman Jim Jordan yesterday. God knows I want to savor it some more. It is one thing to be, as Shakespeare wrote, hoist with your own petard. It is quite another to get hoisted, then rehoisted, and then re rehoisted. If ex agent Thomas, I knew that Punk Hoover personally, Baker was mailed home by Dan Goldman, then Jonathan Turley, once a thoughtful and reliable contributor to Countdown on TV, went home in a saucer into which he had been ladled by Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. First, Turley. He has gone so radically right-wing in the last couple of years and so radically dumb about the law that if you told me somebody has been blackmailing him, I would not disbelieve you. He was positioned yesterday to testify as an expert on Twitter and what Twitter did to the laptop story. And to understand what Wasserman Schultz then did to him, you have to first hear Turley and the soul-selling Congresswoman Elise Stefanik doing their kabuki theater bit. Isn't it true that leading up to the 2020 election, Twitter had weekly meetings with not just the FBI, with DOJ, with DHS, with DNI, to conduct this unconstitutional censorship by surrogate? We know that because the Twitter files, correct? Correct. Okay, got it. Turley is the Twitter legal expert
5: here. Oh, no, he's not. Mr. Turley, uh, turning to you, have you ever worked for Twitter? No. Do you have any formal relationship with the company? No, I just have an account. Do you have any specific or special or unique knowledge about the inner workings of Twitter? Nothing beyond the Twitter files and what I read in the media. So essentially your responses to the questions here today were your own opinion and pure conjecture. No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, they're based I try to base them on what we know from the Twitter files. Well, but you said that you don't have any specific or unique knowledge of Twitter, but you spoke as if you did. You were asked very specific questions about Twitter's uh, the way Twitter functions and the decision making that they that they make. But yet you don't have any unique or special knowledge about Twitter and have never worked for them. And so this is only just your opinion, would you say as a Twitter account user? No, I, I've come to give legal analysis based on facts that are in the public domain. And I was really referring to what the, I was asked about the Reclaiming Twitter my files. time, legal analysis is another word for opinion. I, well, I, would, I would think there is some distinction, but yeah, it's all, it ultimately is an opinion. But I believe the question to me was based on what the Twitter files show, and that, that was my reading of the Twitter files. Right. And again, that's another way of describing your opinion being offered, which was represented as unique and special fact, which you don't possess. <coughs>
3: Can we get some paper towels to clean up the parts of John Turley that that Debbie Wasserman Schultz spilled while she was liquefying him? Anybody got some bounty? The quicker picker-upper? We should never discount the fascist right's willingness to believe anything they see on television that agrees with what they already believe or which they must convince themselves of. But still, some of them at least 10 or 12 had to have heard witness Chuck Grassley, that Chuck Grassley, senator from Iowa, you know how old he is? He's 206, to hear Grassley explain to the committee that in 2016, the real collusion with Russia was committed by Hillary Clinton, who Grassley says connived with Putin to get herself defeated.
4: We all know now, That it was the Democratic National Committee, along with the Clinton campaign, who colluded with the Russians. They used a former Russian spy, Fusion GPS, and law firm to create a fake dossier and then tried to cover it up. Oh,
3: Senator, if only we could find that Russian spy you mentioned, that Mr. Fusion GPS fella. I bet he could reveal the whole saga. At least there was somebody in there older than the agent Baker. One other moment that does not translate to audio. Tulsi Gabbard, having wiped out as a Democrat and now trying to become a Republican, was called in as an expert on (sighs) skunk stripes in your hair and the deep state. Uh, I don't know. As she talked, Republican Congressman Chris Stewart was shown dozing off. Literally. And just one more, please, before we get to McGonagall and Deripaska and Albania, leave it to Jamie Raskin to note that they actually could be investigating the weaponization of the government against democracy if the Republicans had not created a subcommittee to actually pretend there was weaponization of the government against democracy just Republicans.
0: Consider the John Durham investigation. At the urging of Republicans, including the good chairman, the John Durham special counsel investigation was set up in 2019 by Barr to try to find wrongdoing by intelligence or law enforcement agencies in the origins of the Mueller investigation. And we've heard some of the murmurings about this today. After four years, and millions of dollars spent, the Durham investigation closed as a total flop without unearthing anything like the deep state conspiracy that Republicans have been denouncing around here for years. It couldn't find anything of substance to it. Yet Barr in Durham kept pressing in clearly abusive ways. I hope your subcommittee will
3: investigate. Durham and Barr and an investigation of the real crime, what the FBI did in 2016 and then what Barr did to cover that up in 2019. And finally, we come back to Champagne Charlie McGonigal. Neither of these new McGonagall stories are bulletins exactly, but each is new and each underscores that background noise about McGonagall's arrest that A, there are still McGonagall details out there to find, maybe a lot of them, and B, There is merit to the extrapolation that if he was in retirement working for Oleg Deripaska in 2022 and in retirement working for Oleg Deripaska in 2020, and while still in the FBI trying to get an internship for the daughter of an employee of Oleg Deripaska in 2018, there is every reason to ask if he was already working with or for Oleg Deripaska in 2016. 2016, when Paul Manafort was Trump's gratis campaign manager. And Manafort owed Oleg Deripaska money. And Manafort was briefing Oleg Deripaska on the Trump campaign. And McGonigal was supposed to be investigating Deripaska for the FBI. Business Insider's new headline is the FBI's McGonagall Labyrinth, and its story starts with McGonagall's girlfriend in New York while he was still married in Maryland, explaining that one day he told her the FBI had ordered everybody to delete WhatsApp from their phones, so he bought a second phone on which to use WhatsApp. Well, it doesn't sound like much, but she also reveals she saw McGonagall take sealed envelopes from Sergei Shestakov, former Russian diplomat and Deripaska agent, usually at dinner, sometimes maybe at a hockey game. The article also quotes a lot of ex FBIers who are most amazed in all of this that McGonagall is accused of traveling internationally to meet Deripaska in London and in Vienna when... McGonigle was in essence a desk man in charge of everything from what they were finding to the schedules of 150 fbi agents back in new york there's also a lot of hinting around the edges that besides the possibility of bribery or espionage by mcgonigal the lady on the side might be really important because a lot of the international spy game revolves around blackmailing agents because you have trapped them with women or they have trapped themselves And maybe most interesting of all is the increasing fuzziness of the timeline. When did McGonagall start working for Deripaska? Business Insider notes that the indictment refers to McGonagall's travel to meet Deripaska, London and Vienna, but does not say when. To that end, the website's Mattathias Schwartz quotes the girlfriend, Allison Guerrero, as saying she wrote an angry email to McGonigal's boss in 2019. Schwartz adding, quote, three sources familiar with the investigation told Insider that the Bureau had already been looking into McGonigal by November 2019. Meantime, the ever underrated David Korn of Mother Jones produced some extraordinarily valuable context. The McGonagall arrest is complicated and confusing because the FBI and the DOJ presented it as two different separate crimes. A, his relationship with Deripaska, the Russian crime, and B, taking money while he was still at the FBI from Albanians trying to get American support for the opposition party in Albania's internal politics. The Albanian crime. Taken as separate stories, these might tend to portray McGonagall maybe just subconsciously as just a crook who did whatever he could for whomever he could find for money. David Korn notes that in fact the story about an FBI executive meddling in Albanian politics is actually the story of an FBI executive meddling in Russian meddling in Albanian politics. At the time, The Russians were trying to unseat the pro-Western, anti-Putin Albanian prime minister and trying to replace him with a guy whose campaign slogan was, (laughs) make Albania great again. (laughs) why do i get the feeling there's more to that story still ahead rick scott and ron johnson go on defense against the you know fact that each of them loudly proposed cutting and gutting and privatizing social security they evidently do not know how to play defense senator johnson merely went on radio and repeated his dream of privatizing social security and senator scott went on cnn and said he was innocent of these charges because jake tapper Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper. I'm not kidding. That basically was his answer. Another George Santos dog scandal. Another Elon Musk Twitter scandal. And Hunter Biden's lawyer has now sent out a dozen letters to a dozen conservatives telling them to preserve all documents. It is the proverbial warning. We may sue you. One of the recipients is Rudy Giuliani. I will tell you the all-new story of the day I realized Rudy Giuliani was in fact nothing more than a functioning idiot. The story dates to the year 1995. That's next. This is Countdown. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Washington, Hunter Biden's attorney sends out more lawyer letters. The presidential son and attorney Abby Lowell continuing with the best defense is a good offense approach. They have demanded the recipients preserve and retain all records and documents pertaining to Hunter Biden. This is the so-called litigation hold letter. It went to Steve Bannon and Roger Stone and other Trump aides and among others, Rudy Giuliani. And stay with me for an all new things I promised not to tell about how I knew Giuliani was like this in 1995. Also receiving this letter, John Paul Mac Isaac, the computer repairman who just happened to keep Biden's laptop and just happened to make a copy of its hard drive and just happened to give a copy of that hard drive to Giuliani. This goober Mac Isaac promptly tweeted, if anything happens to me in the next few weeks, the Bidens are responsible. If anything happens to him, have you seen this guy? No eyebrows, and his eyes have been gradually migrating to opposite sides of his head. What else is going to happen to him? Dateline Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania. Politico reporting another George Santos dog scandal that in 2017 he was charged with theft. $15,125 in checks were made out on his account to dog breeders in Pennsylvania. Then, contemporaneously, Santos held a dog adoption event in Staten Island, New York, charging fees of up to $400 in adoption per dog. Three years later, NYPD officers woke Santos at his home in the middle of the night with an extradition warrant to Pennsylvania. The checks had all bounced. He was being charged with theft. He and that attorney managed to convince Pennsylvania authorities that as soon as Santos had opened the account on which the checks to the dog breeders had been written, somebody stole his checkbook, somebody he thought he might have known, so he, quote, canceled the checkbook. Santos then went to Pennsylvania, and according to his lawyer, Santos talked authorities into dropping the charges. She also says Santos told them he worked for the Securities and Exchange Commission. I'm waiting for one of these Santo stories to end up with him explaining himself away by claiming he is actually a talking dog. By the way, Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania, where one of these dog breeding people is actually located, is a real place. Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania. It's near Lancaster. Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania is actually four miles, five minutes away from Intercourse, Pennsylvania. And lastly, if you're from the 60s or 70s or you know somebody who is, if you or they seem a little sad today, maybe inexplicably sad, it's because Burt Bacharach has died. Any era has multiple soundtracks, but the music for the lingering post-war optimism, let's build more freeways, let's go to the moon, it's all getting better, that was written by Burt Bacharach and people he influenced. His music was not in every movie in those decades. It only seems that way. He did not work with every popular singer, but he did with everybody from Dionne Warwick to Tom Jones to the Carpenters to Patti LaBelle to Rod Stewart to Elvis Costello. He won two Oscars for best song, Arthur's Theme with Christopher Cross and Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head with B.J. Thomas for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Ms. Faust? of the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, good old Elon Musk, platformer reporting that on Tuesday, Musk summoned an emergency meeting of engineers and advisors to address the burning problem on the Twitter website. This is ridiculous, Musk said, per platformer's sources, I have more than 100 million followers and I'm only getting tens of thousands of impressions. His employees showed the internal data indicating that last April, Musk's popularity in search rankings topped out, peaked at the score of 100. His current score is nine. The engineers said they had already investigated to see if something technical or in the algorithms had been artificially suppressing his tweets. The answer was no. It was just that, um, you know, Twitter users were kind of tired of his act his response you're fired and you're fired by the way it is now 53 days since the poll musk posted closed and users voted 57 and percent to 42 and percent that yes he should step down as ceo go in god's name go the runner-up, Senator Ron Johnson, after three days of arguing whether or not he advocates or has advocated cutting or gutting Social Security, Johnson has settled it. Joe Biden was right. Johnson went on the radio to say that Social Security is a, quote, legal Ponzi scheme, which should have been privatized in 2010. By the way, you know how why they're wrong when they call Ron Johnson a Russian asset? Because who in the world would think he's an asset? But the winner, Senator Rick Scott, same story. Last night on a Kentucky radio show, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell referred to Scott's 12 point plan to rescue America, which calls for the sunsetting of all federal legislation every five years, including sunsetting Social Security every five years. Quoting McConnell, this is a bad idea. I think it will be a challenge for him, Rick Scott, to deal with this in his own re election in Florida, a state with more elderly people than any other state in America. Well, never mind re-election. Voldemort Scott couldn't deal with an interview on CNN on this topic. To edit it down to the highlights over a four-minute span, quote, Okay, he said, let me just read you something Jake Tapper said. Jake Tapper said, what about what Jake Tapper said? What Jake Tapper said? And Jake Tapper said, have you talked to Jake Tapper? Did the same fact-checkers look at what Jake Tapper said? Then why did Jake Tapper say it? Unquote. I don't know, if if I'm Jake Tapper and Rick Scott used my name eight times to defend himself, I am quitting the news business and moving to a Tibetan monastery and hoping the universe forgives me. Senator Rick, when I grow up, I want to be Jake Tapper. Does Jake Tapper think I'm cool? Ooh, In my pretend life, I'm Jake Tapper Scott. Today's worst person in the world. (laughs) Oh! <laughs> Still ahead on Countdown, the only person who may end up in legal trouble after two and a half years of the Hunter Biden laptop could very well be Rudy Giuliani. It continues his epic descent, which began not in 2016, not in 2007, not even after 9 11. I first met the real, clueless, useless Rudy nearly 30 years ago. Coming up next. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need. You can help. Every dog has its day to Miami and Snaggle. He is 15 pounds, he's a handsome Shih Tzu mix, gray and white and black and curly, and he lived in the woods by himself for four of his five years. They found him in December, he had to be at the vet for weeks before he was healthy enough to go to a foster home. Teeth pulled, infections cured, he's now fine. Paw Patrol, Animal Rescue and Sanctuary could use some help with his bills, but right now their focus is finding him a home. Because he lived as a feral dog, there are all kinds of restrictions on fences and other dogs, but if you're near Miami, you might be ripe for him. You can find Snaggle on the Cuddly website or on my Twitter feed. Donate, retweet, or apply to adopt. I thank you, and Snaggle's thanks you. to the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me, and things I promised not to tell. I hear this question about Rudy Giuliani a lot. When did his life go so horribly, horribly wrong? Here was America's mayor, the Rock, in the hours of crisis after 9-11. What is he now? After literal years of trying to sell the Hunter Biden laptop story, who does the Hunter Biden laptop story bite? Him! Four Seasons Gardening, the mascara running down his face, gaseous emissions at phony election hearings, the Sasha Baron Cohen film. I mean, even back then, I thought it was nuts that people actually thought Rudy Giuliani was the frontrunner for the 2008 Republican presidential nomination, what he was widely held to be just that in 2006 and 2007. And by the time It happened. He was already on his way to spending millions of dollars to finish last. But it was the final nail in the coffin in which he still lives. At a Democratic debate in 2007, October 30th, before the field shook out everybody but Obama and Hillary, one of the other candidates was excoriating the Republicans and their exploitation of terrorism and the Al-Qaeda attacks. And that other candidate said of Giuliani, quote, There's only three things he mentions in a sentence, a noun, a verb, and 9-11. The candidate was Joe Biden. The phrase, a noun, a verb, and 9-11 ended Rudy Giuliani's career, and Giuliani's dislike of Joe Biden, many decades old, turned to hatred at that exact moment, which is why we got to where we got to in 2020. That was also the exact moment at which any hopes Julie had of being elected anything, anywhere, ever again, vanished. But it was clear to me as far back as September 2001 that sadly what we saw at that time was a bad man having a few good days. Before that month was out, Giuliani's response to the attack on democracy was to himself attack democracy, to propose that the November election to choose his successor to be mayor of New York should be postponed, or that at least he should stay on for a few months as co-mayor, because he was irreplaceable. There had always been more subtle hints that Giuliani was never a good man, just a slightly smarter one, a more devious one. The venomous Rudy, the scheming Rudy, the amoral Rudy, the Rudy with a bad song in his heart, leaked out from time to time and often inside the world of sports, which is where I met him. You will remember, Rudy Giuliani was a professional New York Yankees fan. He always went to the games for free, mind you, dugout seats for himself, his wife, his other wife, his next wife, the kids, the friends. When I still had friends at Yankee Stadium, they estimated Rudy used to cost them thousands of dollars every time he showed up. He always left via the clubhouse. He always wore a Yankees cap. He billed himself as, quote, the number one Yankee fan. And then when the Boston Red Sox were playing in the 2007 World Series when he was campaigning for president in New Hampshire, Rudy Giuliani suddenly announced he was rooting for the Red Sox. This is like being a Trump fan and announcing you are rooting for democracy. But I went back with Rudy Giuliani even longer than that. In 1995 or 1996, I was asked by the deputy mayor of New York City, Fran Reiter, and the staff of the Baseball Hall of Fame, to travel from ESPN in Connecticut, literally to the steps of New York City Hall, to MC an event for what must have been 35 members of the Baseball Hall of Fame, maybe the largest group of them ever assembled in one place in one moment in time. The deputy mayor approached me and the mayor a few steps behind her on that gorgeous spring day. As she began to introduce us, she realized he had begun to wander off. Rudy? Rudy, she bellowed. He wandered back. Rudy, this is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. He's going to be the MC. You will have to introduce him after you speak. The mayor seemed to be having trouble focusing on me or anything else. I thought of the old joke. Just just keep your eyes on the Olbermann in the middle. He extended a hand, missed mine, then recalibrated. As we shook hands, he grunted. The deputy mayor now roared at him. Rudy, you have to introduce him. His name is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. He's the MC." Giuliani turned and looked at her like he'd never seen her before. He grunted again. Deputy mayor writer now screamed at Rudy Giuliani. Repeat it to me. He looked at me. Then he looked back at her and he said, His name is Keith Alderman from ESPN. He's the MC. With annoyance, writers said, Thank you! And Giuliani smiled and wandered off again. And I half-seriously thought, Did I just meet a body double? Is he a replicant? Is he a well-built robot? This can't be the actual mayor. Well, it was. I took my seat in the front row of the stage that had been built atop the city hall steps as the crowd gathered, and it was a good one, maybe three or four hundred people. The president of the Hall of Fame spoke first. The mayor sat next to me. Giuliani leaned in at one point and whispered to me, Your name is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. You're the MC. I talk. I introduce you. I said something encouraging. And he smiled broadly like a child who is about to get some candy. The president of the baseball Hall of Fame wrapped up, introduced Giuliani, who bounced up to the stage and thanked him and got his name wrong. He then launched into a speech, taking credit for the great weather and the terrific early season performance of the New York Yankees and the New York Mets and the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants, who had moved out of New York in 1957. But if he had been mayor, then they wouldn't have moved out and New York would have the four teams it deserves. And look at all these great players. Well, let me now turn it over to a good friend of mine and a great baseball man. And he looked at me and he forgot everything. Silence titters of laughter from the crowd. And finally, he looked the other way behind him, where the deputy mayor had her head in her hands. Rudy Giuliani, into a microphone that picked up everything he said, said loudly, What's his name? Who is he? And now the titters of laughter in the crowd turned to a little bit louder laughter, and some of the Hall of Fame players seated behind me gave me pats of consolation on my shoulder. Fran Ryder screamed, Keith Olbermann from ESPN, the MC. you repeated it to me. Giuliani turned back to the crowd as if there had been no way they could have heard or seen any of this, and he said, so let me turn it over to a good friend of mine and a great baseball man, Keith Olbermann, our NC from ESPN. I just sat there. More laughs, more consolations from the players behind me. I can still hear the laugh of the late Detroit Tigers great Al Kaline rising above the others. Al later came over to commiserate. As I thought, should I get there and say, thank you, Mayor Dinkins? Or better yet, thank you, Mayor LaGuardia? I then concluded, no, I can't do that. I'm representing ESPN. I'm representing the Baseball Hall of Fame. As I thought that, he said it again. So now I got up and I told the crowd, sorry, I wasn't sure he meant me. So if you are saying to yourself, what on earth happened to Rudy Giuliani with that brown schvitz pouring down his face, I am saying to you, he has been this crazy for at least 30 years. You were just lucky enough to have not previously noticed. It is all true, or my name ain't Keith Obelman, our NC from ESPN. I mean, my name is one thing, but to spell ESPN wrong, Countdown has come to you from the studios of Alderman Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in the Sports Capsule Building in New York. Thank you for listening. Here are our credits. Most of the music, including the theme from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown Musical Directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel, produced by TKO Brothers other beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by no horns allowed the sports music is the Olderman theme from espn 2 and it was written by mitch warren davis and it appears courtesy of espn inc musical comments by nancy faust the best baseball stadium organist ever our announcer today was stevie van Zandt. everything else was pretty much my fault so that's countdown for this the 766th day since donald trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the united states arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is Monday. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio.
2: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call
3: 1-800-GAMBLER. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T E R M I N I X.com.